Amen. So I said earlier that we are starting a new series today called Drenched. And uh, the, this word is sort of a weird word, but it has multiple layers of meaning. Uh, it means a lot of different things, but if I was going to have to encapsulate it into one word, as I said earlier today, it would be the idea of worship, that we would have uh, this intimate experience in worship, not just in our gatherings here, but in our whole life, that we feel like we are immersed by the presence of God, that we are drenched, if you will, by the presence of God in our life, that there's so much of what the Lord is doing and so much that we acknowledge that he's doing that we, are, as a result, our lives and our hearts and our voices sort of cry out to God about him and his glory. And when Addie, my, uh, my, my youngest daughter, when she was younger, <clears throat> there was a time, you ever had the, one of the, a song get in your head? You know what I'm talking about? And you just can't get it out of your head and you're just like singing it over and over again? Well, she had this happen, and she got her words mixed up, and instead of saying, I got a song stuck in my head, she said, I got that worship stuck in my head, because it was a worship song, because that's what we listen to. <laughs> um, but she goes, I got that worship stuck in my head, and we just, I love that statement, and I've always thought, man, in some ways, that should be the truth for us. Like, I got that worship stuck in my head and in my heart, I just can't get it out of my mind that I have to be worshiping God with all of my life, all of the time, and... Uh, and as we continue to seek this, the Lord in this season of prayer, uh, prayer's best friend is worship. They like to hang out together. You know what I'm saying? And so when we were thinking about, there was actually a different idea that we were going to kind of move into um, with our teaching series, but with just being sensitive to what we felt like the Lord was saying and doing, we felt like we needed to kind of pause and sit in this time and say, let's also talk about worship. You know, we've been really talking about prayer. Let's also talk about worship because our hearts are ready to just grow, if you will, not only in our sensitivity to the Lord and the bold prayers that he wants us to pray, but in the ways he wants us to worship him. And worship is often, and I think this is, goes without saying, I think we all know this, it unintentionally sometimes gets boiled down into worship style like music style, you know what I'm talking about? Like some people in some churches say, oh, you know, we're traditional worship. You know, we stand for two hymns and sit for the other one. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? Or we're contemporary worship, which I don't know what that means anymore. Is that Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith or something? I don't know. Some are like, oh, we're modern worship. Maybe you guys aren't aware of these conversations, but I am. All right? And I'm like, oh, modern worship. Oh, you like Bethel. Okay, cool. And some are like, well, I'm contemplative. I'm, I'm not really into music scene. It's more about worship and creation. And so we have, we have this understanding of worship that gets boiled down into preferred music style, although I believe that music is a very biblical expression of worship. That's why we corporately gather and we worship through music is because we believe that the Lord has given us music as a way to express our, our worship of him and our thoughts of him and our hearts of, to him, but it's not the only way we worship, of course. And so we obviously want to speak about worship beyond the time we gather together, but we do want, if I was being really honest, I do want the worship that we have on Sundays and the worship that we have at times like our worship nights, I want them to be, um, if you will, significantly impacted by what God's doing in this season. I, I believe that God wants to see breakthrough in worship, just like he wants to see breakthrough in your life. He wants to see an expression of freedom and worship that we haven't experienced here, or maybe that we haven't experienced as much as we want, that there's thresholds of shame and fear and, and, un, and, and, and the unknown that sit in front of us that all of us have the opportunity to break through. But 
And I think God's going to have some things for us that says, maybe for you, breakthrough for you is in the area of worship. Are you with me? And I think, I think that's where we're going these next few weeks. We're praying and seeking the Lord in a way that we be drenched with his power and his presence and his love. And that our lives, not to continue this cliche, would be dripping wet, right? With gratitude and worship for our God. But today I want to speak to an idea of worship that um, is more of an act of obedience. And, and is in some ways, some of the f- first steps we do when we worship the Lord. And I actually want to talk about baptism. We have baptism, a course in two weeks um, coming up. And it may seem like a strange place to begin a conversation of worship, but it's actually a really great place to begin a conversational worship because I think for a lot of us, uh, we remember maybe our baptism moment, and it's a significant moment in our journey with, with Christ. And there's a lot of emotion that maybe goes around it in different ways. And for some of us, maybe we've never um, been baptized. And to hear what the scriptures teach about baptism may be helpful for us in understanding what it means to worship the Lord and be faithful to him in this and this physical representation, if you will, of an invisible reality about our life. So today, I think, is the perfect day to talk about what is baptism, why do we do it, and how is it an act of worship? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a person that's curious uh, and willing to ask the why question. I, I don't mean to boil it down so simply, but sometimes there's a what person and there's a why person. Some people just know what to do. Some people need to know why they need to do it. Anybody with me? So sometimes this is great, but sometimes this can get you into trouble, right? Asking the why question. Like, you, you don't ask some why questions. You don't, for me, I, you should, if you're a husband in here, you don't ask your wife why she chose to wear what she's wearing. You still ask that. Why did you, why'd you wear that? Uh, you don't ask that question when you're kids. They love why questions, right? Like when kids, they're always asking why. We say, turn the TV off. They say, why? And what does the parent say? Because I said so, right? Because I said so. And I think it's good to ask, why baptism? Why is it important? Why did God bother with it? Why should we bother with it? The easy answer to this for a lot of people, if you've been in church, is because God said so. And so it's just like, oh, God said so. That's what you're supposed to do. Everybody else is doing it. You should do it too. And so it's this, but why? Why am I getting baptized? Does this really mean anything? What is it really about? And so this message, I realize some of us have already been baptized. A lot of us have probably already been baptized. But I'm hopeful that you can even grasp a deeper understanding of why you did it. If, you, if you're not really quite sure why you did it, you just did it because you were told what to do. And for those of us who've not been, maybe this is going to be the thing that really helps push you over the edge to understand that baptism is actually part of what God wants us to do for a lot of good reasons. But a lot of, the easier answer is God said so. And I think so often in life we do things that everybody else does, right? And, and, and this isn't always a bad thing, but whether it's what we wear or where we go or what we eat or what movie we're going to see, we do it a lot of times because, oh, everybody else is going to it. So we get, we get charged up about it and we go do it. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this more than just because everybody else is doing it, right? Sometimes you have to no, I'm doing this because it matters for this specific reason. I need to know why, for example, Hertz Donuts just opened down the street. I need to know why I'm standing in line for a donut. You with me? Like, I need to know, is this just another donut or is this going to, like, change my life? Hmm. <laughs> when it comes to our faith in Jesus and the steps of obedience or faith we must take as we follow him, they should always be steps of faith because we chose to take them. This is really important. When it, let me just make sure you caught that. 
when it comes to your steps of faith with Jesus, the things that you do that are in obedience to him, you should always do them because you chose to do them, not because everybody else is doing them, not because God said so. Well, God said so sometimes is the reason you do it. But we're going to get into that. Maybe So as we talk about baptism today or in the future, if we're talking about something that I feel impassioned that you should do, I want you to know it's not because I said so or they said so. It's because we've explored the, the question of why do we do this? Do you understand? And I think that's important for you to know that as a church and as a church family, we're asking the question why because we want everybody to be invited into something. And it says, I'm choosing to do this because it's whenever a baptism, for example, should, it should come from your core. It should come from who, what you really believe that you should do when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. That's the only way that it really, really matters. So here's what we're going to do. This may be a little more teachy than normal. Hope you're okay with that. But why baptism? Um, why is it important? So I'm going to start with what's on our website about baptism. I thought that was a good place to begin. I can go to the next slide here. Um, baptism is by full immersion of a believer in water as an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's what baptism is to us. That's what, that's what it is, but I, I felt it doesn't really answer what, why, does it? It doesn't answer why, and so we, I don't want to just say this is what it is. I want to answer why, and so four, I want to give you four things that affirm why followers of Jesus should be baptized, and I'll go through these sort of quickly. First one's this, though. First, we believe that baptism is an ordinance from God, and what we mean by this is that the Lord Jesus actually commanded that we do this. He ordained it and that we would make it an ongoing practice of the church, most notably and explicitly in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, it says this, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, say it with me, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. We know this. Jesus commands three things. He commands that we make disciples, baptize them, and teach them, but the main verb is that we would make disciples, and as a result of making disciples, we will baptize them and teach them. And so as a result of what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, as you make disciples, there will be a process of making disciples. There will be a baptism that takes place, and there'll be teaching of those disciples on what it means to obey everything that he's commanded. Therefore, just so you know, we are not alone in doing this. Thankfully, Jesus in verse 20 says, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age, meaning he is not leaving us alone in this command. He's going to be with us in this command all the way to the very end of this age, which is good news. So that's the first thing, which is sort of the God said so thing, right? Second thing, baptism. Why are we are baptized? Baptism expresses and symbolizes our union with Christ. So it expresses our union with Christ, and it's like, okay, it's a symbolic thing, yes, but the clearest teaching of this is in, in Romans 6, 3 through 4. Do you, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? This gets a little, little tricky, all right? This is a little bit like, what is, what is he trying to say here? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in the newness of life. So in the wider context of Romans, 
In the wider context of Romans, Paul is, 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 is clearly not teaching that baptism is what saves you. Baptism does not save you. What he's trying to say to us is that baptism is not our first salvation. That In Romans, it says that by faith, those are the means in which we are saved. And those are the means in which we are united and justified. But we show this faith. We show this faith, if you will, visibly through Baptism, it symbolizes our faith as an, in, in this act of baptism. Faith unites us to Christ, but baptism symbolizes it and visibly shows it. For example, wedding ring. I have mine right here, right? This does not signify anything other than a symbol, right? This is not, a, this is not what marries me to Christy. It is just a symbol of what covenant I've made to Christy. And so Christy and I have made a covenant the ring symbolizes it, and I wear this ring as a profession of my covenant relationship with Christy. And in the same way, baptism is supposed to symbolize the covenant relationship you've made with Jesus Christ. So the word baptism, by the way, it means being immersed, like fully immersed. Uh, that's the Greek. And so it means to be drenched with water. Symbolically, this can mean to be fully buried with Christ in this water grave and then to be raised to walk in the newness of life. And most scholars agree that this is the way that the early church did it. They did a full immersion. So it wasn't until later that sprinkling and pouring came along. Right? That's not really in the scriptures. That's not really the, the practice of the Old Testament or, or the New Testament church. All right, I'm moving through this fairly quickly. Third thought about baptism, why we do it. Baptism is a visible response to an invisible reality. Jesus had this conversation with a guy named John the Baptist, interesting identity. His last name was Baptist. <clears throat> Middle name, the. Um, which is a pretty interesting identity because he is really obviously all about baptism. And here's what he says to explain the difference between he and Jesus. Matthew 3, 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who will be more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So one of the curious things about the scripture is that there's two ways to explain baptism. When you're reading the scriptures, the baptism gets explained in different ways. And you're like, what are they talking about? Because I thought baptism was whenever someone got dunked in a tank at church, right? But he's talking about it in a different way. There's one way of the symbolic representation in which we are buried with Christ in baptism through water, raised to walk in a new life, if you will. And then there's this other way that he talks about when Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. What is that all about? Well, this is what I'm talking about when it comes. There is an invisible reality. And the invisible reality is that Jesus has immersed his, you've been immersed in the life of Jesus. You have been, you have been, Old self, new self, right, has happened in you, which the old self has died, the new self has come to life, and that is the baptism in which we walk in in the invisible reality. Are you with me? So there is a reality in which spiritually we have been baptized through salvation, and we have now been baptized by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit and with fire to change us and to transform us and to make us into something new. Once you come to know Jesus, we are baptized by the Spirit. Are you with me? But then, but then what happens is later we say, okay, I need more than just 
to have this invisible reality about myself, I need to visibly show this and represent this change that has happened within me. And Jesus has put something into our practice of obedience that says, will you publicly profess the invisible reality about yourself in a visible reality? Are you with me? So this is what's happening and what Jesus is trying to do. So our practice of water immersion is a physical manifestation of an invisible reality. The fourth thing that we'll talk about is baptism is for believers only. It's an expression of faith, therefore, only for believers. So back to our statement, like our statement on our website, uh, the key sentence, I think that's up there, yeah. The key sentence there, baptism is full immersion of believers, blah, 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 symbolizing believers' faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So, our understanding of the New Testament church is that baptism includes an expression of faith by one being baptized. It is not something that an unbeliever can do. It's not something that an infant can do. That's why we don't baptize infants here. And look at what it says in Galatians 3. In Christ, you were all sons and daughters of God through, say it with me, through faith. Say it with me, faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, you know, put on Christ, put on Christ. So we become sons and daughters of God through faith. This is, and I realized today it was a little bit like basics for the believer. I hope it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you're like, ah, oh, okay. I've never really put all this together on about baptism. But we get that we come to Christ through faith. But for many of us, we haven't put the value in what. Jesus has been saying and what, why Jesus made baptism a part of the process of our being a follower of Christ. So back to the question, why baptism? Why are we doing it? Why is it so important? Why, why did God make it important? Should we make it? Why did he even bother with it? So first of all, baptism is an ordinance from God. It's, it's, it's something that as a believer, he commanded you to do it. And sometimes there's this idea inside of Jesus being Lord that we just have to do what he says, right? If you love me, you'll obey what I command. So that's part one. Baptism expresses and symbolizes our union with Christ. It's an act of worship and faith. Every time he puts something in front of us like this, it's an act of faith. Will you trust me with this? I hear so many people share this, and I, and I experience this as well, that the act of baptism, for some reason, it has these strange things that come up in us, like fear. Maybe for some of us, it's been, oh, I came Christ a long time ago. Now it feels weird to come and get baptized now. And so there's this fear, this worry, this concern of what this step means And baptism is a visible response to an invisible reality. It's a way to publicly express our faith in front of the world, even though it's just in front of your Christian community. And then baptism is for believers only, people who have put their faith in Jesus. Baptism happens after you become a believer. So I'll just say this. If you were baptized or sprinkled as a child before you came to know Jesus, I would say that that's more ritual and tradition than believer's baptism. And believer's baptism is saying, I became a believer, I knew what I was doing, and I chose to step on obedience into baptism because of the faith that I had placed in Christ. So, I've come to understand God as a very specific God, just so you know. Meaning he doesn't do meaningless things. God doesn't do meaningless things. He doesn't, 
He doesn't have superficial reasons for us uh, and how we come to know him. He doesn't put up like a maze or an obstacle course, say, okay, if you can get over these obstacles, one of them being baptism, you can actually find your way to me. Like he doesn't do that. Like he has no meaningless steps in the process of following Jesus. Everything has meaning and has intrinsic value because actually every step is a step for our own healing. It's for our own wholeness. Every step we take in our faith with him that he brings in front of us is to bring us more life. And he understands the value of you symbolically expressing your faith in Jesus in front of a community. He understands the value that that will bring your life in which you understand that this this symbolic representation of like a ring actually will be a transcendent experience in your life. He understands that this is an important step and when it comes to following Jesus. God isn't a God committed to ritual. What I love is that he doesn't create meaningless scenarios for us to just get to him and just to step into him. And we, when we come to understand that about God, when we come to understand that God is not about a meaningless list of things for us to do, we come to see baptism with extreme intrinsic value. We see significance in the way that it brings us life and it brings us back to who we're supposed to be as human beings. So I want to close with this. It's a story about baptism it takes place in Acts, in Acts chapter 8. And the story goes like this. There's a man from Ethiopia who had traveled to Jerusalem. He had traveled to Jerusalem to worship God. And on his way back, he's traveling back to Ethiopia. And the disciple Philip actually sees him in his chariot and overhears him as he's reading about the book or reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet, about the coming of Jesus and the, the prophetic word about Jesus. And he hears this guy reading it. It's this Ethiopian guy, and he's reading this. And Philip asks him if he knows what he's talking or what he's reading, if he understands what the, the, the scriptures are saying. And then he says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So Philip tells him this story of Jesus, and, ex- and he explains the gospel to him. And I, I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 8, verse, verse 36. So this is going on. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, which is the Ethiopian, said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And then this is verse 37 that's in these parentheses. This is in some manuscripts and not in others. It's in the King James or New King James, so I included it. Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. If you know the story, then Philip disappears, and it's kind of this crazy thing. What I love about the story is that is that baptism is actually what it's intended to be in the story. I think so. I think it's interesting that baptism becomes the things that we have to try and convince people to do. And, and <laughs> in this story. It's the, it's the Ethiopian that's trying to convince Philip that he needs to get baptized. He's like, you, oh, if this is true about Jesus, there's some water. Let's do this. If this is true, and I believe it is, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's true. I got to get baptized because I need to tell the world that this is who I am now. This is who I've become. And what's interesting in today's world is we have to be like, are you ready? Are you ready for baptism? I know you gave your life to Jesus at some point, and this is time. And it's, and it's okay. Fear comes up, uh, anxiety. Uh, maybe there's reasons why. I, I don't, all that's fine. I, I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel like they've done anything wrong. What I'm trying to say to you is this is an act of worship. 
what I'm trying to say to you is this is your opportunity to worship the Lord through the, the, the invitation of baptism. And here you have this story where it's not Philip trying to convince him that, okay, now that you believe in Jesus, we need to go get you baptized. He hears that this about Jesus is, is who the Messiah is. And if this is true, then what's going to stop me from getting baptized? He said, nothing. Nothing's going to stop you if you believe in Jesus as the son of, son of God. He says, I do. Let's do this. So if the disciples of Christ and the followers of Jesus are to be baptized, this is what he's saying, then I want nothing more. This is an act of worship. After that, the story goes on. The Ethiopian goes on rejoicing as he travels back home. And there's a whole theory about his story and how it goes and changes the nation. The Ethiopian nation became one of the first Christian nations in the world and continues to be in a lot of it traces back to the story. And as a worshiper, I'm going to do what God ordains me to do, right? As a worshiper, I'm going to do what God ordains me to do. As a worshiper, I, I want to be able to not have shame or guilt, and I want to be able to publicly profess my love for Jesus. And that's what baptism does. It's your symbolic ring that says, I'm telling the world I'm his. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus, listen, friends, Jesus wants to drench you in his presence. And I believe it's time for many of us to make a visible response to an invisible reality, to make public that is what has maybe been private in our life. And like I said, I wouldn't invite you into something if I didn't first ask why are we doing it. I wouldn't invite you into something if I didn't know why it matters. God doesn't invite us into meaningless things. God, everything God invites us into is for our healing and for our wholeness and for our good and for the greater purpose of bringing him glory. And so in a few weeks, we're in two weeks from today, we're going to have an amazing celebration of people stepping into some water that represents a water grave, so to speak, in which they're saying, Jesus changed my life. He's the Lord of my life. And I want this act to be an act of worship for him. And so today there are two questions that I, that I have for you, and I, and I put them on the screen just to make them real clear. And the first one is this. Have you, put, have you put your faith in Jesus and you're now ready to be baptized? I know that's like, okay, like straight to it, right? That's what it is. I mean, so many people who have followed Jesus um, have, have not stepped into this. And, and, and I understand it, and I get it, and I just want to give the opportunity for people to do it. Maybe you recently came to know Christ and you haven't heard this teaching yet. Or maybe you are just now coming to know Jesus, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but maybe for you, it's like, you know what, I need to do this, and it's time. Sometimes a lot of people, especially in our church today, a lot of people raise their hands and they say, I'm giving my life to Jesus at the end of a service. You know what I'm talking about? We do that occasionally here. They give their life to Jesus, and then and then they, they, they leave, and they don't really know what to do next. And um, and I get that. And, and what I would say is this, is this is what's to do next right here, if you've never done this. Um, maybe you were baptized as an infant or a child, and it wasn't until you were older that you realized, um, you know, who Jesus was, and you made the choice to follow Jesus when you were later, or when you were older. And I would say if that's your story and you gave your life to Jesus after you were baptized, I, I would encourage you to maybe consider is this, is this a step of faith and obedience you need to take? Um, one where you're saying it is out of faith, by faith I'm being baptized. 
I believe there's several in the room that fall under this question right here, and it's time for you to step in. And, and I say that in a really, really encouraging way. Oh, man, God is good to us. And he doesn't do anything without meaning and love and hope for your life. And he's inviting you into this step because he believes and he knows the value that it has. And so to make this a really easy way to do this, um, like I said, we kind of, we, we changed the, our response card on these things. And on the back of them, if you're interested in being baptized today, one of the check boxes is I would, I'm interested in learning more about baptism. Uh, maybe you still have some questions or maybe you're like, I'm in for sure. Um, just mark that box and write your name on this card so we know who you are. And then drop it in the basket on your way out today. That's how you can respond today. And so it's just making it real simple for you. If you want to be baptized today, just fill this card out before you leave. Drop it in the basket behind the soundboard. And the second question I have is another pretty simple question, but really big question. Have you ever made the choice to put your faith in Jesus? And if not, today you can. And I believe teaching and having a conversation about baptism is really a conversation about salvation. Because we already said many times, if you worked backwards, like it's for believers only, right? Um, and so you can't, get baptized if you're not a believer. And for some of us right here, that raises the question, am I a believer? Am I someone that has actually trusted and put my faith in Jesus? And today, I just want to invite you into that. And the fact that there can be an invisible reality about your life in which you've chose because you understand why. You understand that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was he died on the cross for you and that he was raised back to life. If you believe that, it says you can be saved. And, and so that's the invisible reality that you would accept his gift of salvation. He would transform us and change us from something old into something new, which is a journey. It takes time. But maybe for you today, this first step is a step of accepting Jesus and his gift of salvation. And in some ways, your act of salvation will be similar to the story that we read in Acts 8, in which you get to give your life to Jesus. And then you get to say, what's going to stop me now from being baptized? So, same thing on this card. There's actually a section that says, I chose to follow Jesus today. And you can just mark that, and you can drop that in, but we would invite you even to more than that. We'd love to have a conversation with you today. But at minimum, we'd love for you to fill out this card if this is something you want to do today. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to take a moment and answer those questions. No one's looking around and... But I think anytime we respond to the Lord and we're trying to respond to what's going on in our heart, we should, I just believe in some sort of physical response as well. And, and so to that first question, anybody today that has put their faith in Jesus already and they are now ready to be baptized, meaning you haven't been baptized yet, but you want to be, I just want to, I just want to invite you to be courageous right now. This is the first step of you saying, I'm going to do this. If that's you today and you say, I'm going to, I'm, I, want to, I want to be baptized, would you just lift your hand up real quick? I want to pray for you. Yeah. Way to go. That's so awesome. Love it. Thank you, Jesus, for those who have stepped up even in this moment and courage to say, this is time. It's time for me to do this and time for me to trust in what the Lord wants to do through baptism. I pray for them. And the second question is, have you, if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, maybe you've never done it, and today's the day that you'd say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to, I want to help you do that. And if you would like to do that today, and I want, you want to choose to follow Jesus today, 
Would you have the courage to do the same thing and, and just raise your hand right now where you're at? Just lift your hand. That's good. Anybody else? That's great. Well, just, I want you to pray this prayer. If you raised your hand or if you want to give your life to Jesus, let's pray this in church. I invite all of us to pray this together. Just repeat, repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess you are Lord. I ask forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate? Celebrate God and his goodness.